Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, for that wonderful introduction. I always say that, don't I? I Maybe I should say something different. But you're grateful. It's true. I really am. She does really do a great job. So thank you, Marie. And and uh, thank you because, you know, podcast listener, you you are showing up with us. Thank you for listening in and, and uh, being with us. And Rick, we're in this fantastic series on the book of Galatians. And we're coming towards the end, aren't we? We are. We are. We uh, this week moved into chapter five. So yeah. we have about three more lessons. Whoa, only three lessons. Now, of course, folks, you can... You can listen to Rick's messages by going to rosalgrace.com forward slash watch. And you can also get all the messages. And so if you're a little behind and not sure what, where we are or what we're doing, then you need to go there for more of the description. But anyway, Rick, I've, I've just loved, I've loved, loved, loved this opening sentence in chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I, I often imagine other things that Paul could have said, like, it is for forgiveness or righteousness or adoption, but that's not what he said. Was what he was saying, I mean, is there something specific that he was getting getting to? Yeah, he was. And I, I think, Sean, the reason he said for freedom it is that Christ set you free, that's what the Galatian churches needed to hear because they were getting a steady dose of slavery mm-hmm. and legalism. And so when you really study Galatians front to back, you see that free and freedom is a major theme. In fact, the words free and freedom used 11 times Wow! just in that one letter. And it was the problem that they were facing. I think the other thing is the reason Paul was driving home this freedom theme, he personally understood the crippling effects of legalism. Mm. Yeah, he had been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Yeah. He knew the crippling, paralyzing effects of performance-based religion. Mm. And he knew anytime you get on that road of I'm gonna I'm gonna earn my way to heaven, it's by by what I do in pleasing God, the the end result is always slavery. Yeah. You're gonna be a slave to whatever performance based religion you get into. Yeah. That's why Paul kept driving home, freedom, freedom. That is why Christ set you free, not so you can fall into another form of slavery. Right. No, but so you can truly experience and enjoy freedom. You know, I, I everything else he probably said was wrong, okay? But Karl Marx is famous for saying that, that religion is the opiate of the people. And and I, I kind of believe that. I, I believe that religion it does kind of mesmerize it it gives us a kind of control uh over things and and i wonder if that that is well i mean i i think about this a lot how how religion and by that as opposed to real biblical freedom that we have in christ religion has this this uh this this delicious <laughs> I hate to use use that word, but it really is. It gives us a kind of a sense of control. Well, it does, and it appeals to our pride. And yeah. it basically said that's the problem with religion. It says, "Give me twenty things that I can do, so I can put a little box and I can check off the boxes every day." Yeah. And if you'll give me twenty things to do, and that's my religion, 
then at the end of the day, I will be able to uh, uh, check my numbers and see how well I performed today. And if you give me 20 things, really all I have to do is 11, and that way the scales will tip in my favor. Mm. Because if, if my good works can outweigh my bad works, then I'm good to go. Yeah. That's why it appeals, because you don't have to think, you don't have to grow, all you have to do is check boxes. Yeah. That's the problem with religion. That's why we, we often talk about that, that Christianity, uh, being a disciple of Jesus, it is not a religion. No, it's a relationship. Yes. Yeah. So, and I, and I realize some people may, they say, well, how can you say that? Christianity is, is among the great world religions. And No, no. <laughs> it is very unique yeah. amongst the world religions because yes. exactly what you just said, Sean, you, you and I are both married. We are in a relationship yes. with our wives. We don't, you don't wake up every morning with a checklist saying, okay, to, uh, to stay married to my wife, I'm going to do these 20 things. You don't even think that way. Yeah. You, it's, it's a relationship. Yeah. And, and every day is a little different. And, and that relationship has different demands and different responsibilities. But it's the relationship that makes you want to do those things. It's not, oh, if I check all these boxes, then at the end of the day, I'll still be married. Yeah. yeah. There's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, this got me to thinking, is there a good, simple definition of biblical liberty? I know what mine is. Okay. Three words, faith in Jesus. Oh. Faith in awesome. Jesus. And here's why. It's, it's the key, the, the key word is faith. It's no more trying to be good enough, and I say this a lot, but... It's, it's giving up, trying to be good enough, right enough, and religious enough. Mm. And to me, those three things are very important, Sean. Being good enough, many of us grew up in religions and denominations or whatever, that mm -hmm. it was all about being good. If I could just be a good person. And how many funerals, Sean, have we done where the eulogy is, oh, she was such a good person. Mm -hmm. And we know she's going to be in heaven because she was a good person. Yeah. I grew up in a background where the key was being right enough. Mm. We had to be right. We had to be right on everything. And if you wanted to be a part of our church, you had to agree with everything that we were right about. And because we were right and every other church was wrong. Yeah. And then there's others, Sean, that grow up, it's religious enough. If I can just keep the traditions of my church and... We, we have uh, traditions and we have taboos. And if I can just, you know, keep that form, all the forms, and just be religious and look religious and mm -hmm. sound religious, then that'll get me to heaven. Yeah. Biblical liberty is saying I'm going to give up all on all that, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my simple faith in Jesus. Yeah. That's what sets a person free. Yeah. When I think about liberty, I, I think about uh, the, well, the, the change of relationship that I have with God. And therefore, uh, it, 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 it really affects my motivation for what I do and empowers me to, to do what I, I, I don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. I get to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, there, there, there really is, a, I guess, a, a finesse, maybe, of, of the change in, in that, um, like, uh, I think John Piper talked about how there is a deception of sometimes we can, we can say we're thankful to God and therefore I have to do this for him. That's not real liberty. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's, I mean, it, it's nice to be thankful. We should be thankful. But, but there is a, uh, a freedom 
a freedom to say, I, I want to be obedient to God. I want to be loving towards people. I want all my thoughts and actions to be based upon love. Maybe another great definition of biblical liberty, it would be re the word relationship. Yes. When yeah. you're in a relationship with Jesus, <laughs> it sets you free. And we, we, we do good works not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. That's because right. It's, you move from a have-to religion to a want-to relationship. Yeah. And so we are saved to want to. And, and it's true. It's true. You know, I was talking actually to somebody who, um, and you've had a couple conversations with people. You've talked about this. People are coming up to you after these messages and saying, Rick, I know a church you went to. <laughs> <laughs> those, those, have those, do you continue to get those conversations? Yeah, people? but the other thing I'm learning, Sean, legalism is transdenominational. Mm, what do you mean? It means that there is, there is a form of legalism that transcends any one denomination. Ah. Now, the, the particular list that you have to keep changes in different churches. Right. Everybody has their own list. But underneath it all, it's performance-based religion. It's what I am doing to please God and to earn my salvation. Wow. So to truly appreciate this freedom, we have to really differentiate the, the possible sources of this freedom, whether it's, on the one hand, uh, self-earning and works, or, on the other hand, it is through Christ, His gift, His grace. Uh, now, you spent a lot of time over the past few weeks uh, on these things, but why is it so hard for us to walk away from this sense of self-help? Yeah, I, I think it, it's hard because of our pride. Uh -huh. it, our pride doesn't want to totally surrender and give up and say, I cannot save myself. Mm. My, my, the gospel says you cannot earn your salvation, and my pride says you watch me. Yeah. You watch me. I can. At least, right. at least I can pay for part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, in our passage that we looked at this week, there's this one phrase. Paul, Paul calls it the offense of the, God, of the cross. Mm. The, the cross is very offensive because it says you could not save yourself. You were so lost. It took the perfect son of God to die the cruel death on a cross to make a way for you to be saved. Yeah. We don't want that. We, we want to be able to say, oh, no, no, I can, I can earn it. You know, the, the, the analogy I used in Sunday's sermon was the difference between a paycheck and a birthday gift. Yeah. You know, a paycheck, you earn it, right? Mm -hmm. You work for it and you earn it. You go and say, okay, boss, I worked all week. Uh, pay me. I earned it. A birthday gift, you don't earn it. No, that's a gift. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't work for it. You wait for it. That, you yeah. wait all year. It, but you're not earning it all year. And so you wait for it, and then your birthday comes, you get a gift, and what do you do? You say, well, it's about time. I've worked all year for this birthday <laughs> gift. No, you say, thank you yeah. very much for the gift. Yeah. It's not a wage. It's a gift. Yeah, you even said that this, this sentence, uh, you said grace is offensive to human pride. And that, that's what an amazing sentence. What, what else? I mean, you, you already talked about that, but any, any other comment on that. Oh, yeah, and I, I'm telling you, it, it, in my own personal life, it hit me about when I was 19, 20 years old, because mm. I'd grown up in this, you, you got to be right. The way you get to heaven is by being right on the issues, being in the right church, doing the right things. When it hit me that I could not be right enough, it knocked all the props out in my wow. life. It was devastating to me. Mm. 
when I realized, oh my goodness, I have, I've got my ladder leaned, I'm at the top of the ladder, but I leaned it against the wrong building. Mm. And totally devastated, knocked out all my pride, all my props, and I had to start over. Wow. And so it was <laughs> very offensive to my human pride when I learned I had to surrender and depend 100% on Jesus Christ for my salvation. Yeah, yeah. I don't, to me, it was always uh, the, the issue of, well, I mean, I have to contribute something. I have to do something. I mean, I feel guilty about this. You, let me, it's like when if, if you, you were to go out to dinner and you graciously decided to, to, to pick, pick up the tab, and I say, well, at least let me get the tip. tip. Yeah. <laughs> so we do. We want to tip Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and we walk up to the foot of the cross and say, Hey, listen, thank you for paying for my salvation, but let me pay, let me get the tip. Ooh. Let me get the tip. Ooh. Let me just pay a little bit. How insulting. How insulting, truly. Insulting to yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the cost of choosing that self-accomplishment, that earning that works is very steep. I mean, you, you outlined it in four ways. Uh, you said Christ will be of no value. We're obligated then to keep the whole law. We're alienated or severed from Christ, and we have fallen away from, from grace. So which of these, I mean, I don't know if it's possible, but I'm just going to corner you. Which of these is the worst? Well, well, yeah. And first of all, those, those four ways uh, were not mine. Those are Paul's. He <laughs> lists them yeah. in chapter yeah. 5. He said, listen, if you get on the road to legalism, here, here are the consequences that you know, Christ will be of no value, you got to keep the whole law. You don't get to pick and choose. You are alienated. The word literally means severed, cut yeah. off from Christ, and you've fallen away from grace. Uh, see, I believe these are really four ways of describing the devastating consequences of performance-based religion. Yeah. And uh, you know, the analogy I used Sunday was, you know, your freedom's road is when you realize I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus, and there's a ditch on each side of the road. There's legalism and libertinism. We'll talk about libertinism next week. Uh-huh. That's where Paul takes us. But the, the first ditch is legalism. So when you get in the ditch of legalism, what, what are you experiencing? Well, Christ is no longer of any value to you. Mm. Why? Well, because I'm doing it on my own. I don't need Christ. I'm good. I'm good. And mm. I'm going I'm to earn my way by keeping the law. Paul says, well, great. Have you blown it in any law? Now, if you break one law, you're guilty of the whole. You you don't you're severed from Christ, so you don't need Christ. Christ is up on the road. You're in the ditch. Yeah. So you have intentionally severed yourself, alienated yourself from Christ. And the famous expression, "You've fallen away from grace." Yeah. Volumes have been written on. What does it mean? Yeah. Can a person who's have grace can they fall away? And can you lose your salvation? And they miss what Paul is saying here. Uh, He's saying, if you, if you make a decision, I'm going to go the way of law. I'm going to go the way of legalism. Paul said, well, then grace is no longer of any value to you. You don't need grace yeah. because you're not depending on Christ. You're depending on yourself. That was a long way of saying, long way around the way of saying, Sean, I'm not going to pick one. <laughs> because gonna, all four really are describing the same, the same consequence. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's all bad. It's all bad. all bad. So let's just stay away from that, right? <laughs> okay. So, you know, Paul wrote, or 
Later on, he said, or in, uh, or in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. And by that, he's, he's meaning the Jewish um, uh, uh, commandments of the law. Yeah, right? the sign of the covenant right, in, in right. Judaism was circumcision. Uh, it has any value. Uh, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What, what does that mean? And how is that related to the battle between the two messengers? I love the way Paul said it when he said it's of no value. Mm. Paul, Paul had no problem with the Jewish man by being circumcised, you know, no problem at all with the Jewish family when their little boys were born being circumcised, the sign of the covenant going all the way back to, to Abraham. He had, he had no problem with, with circumcision. His problem was making it a requirement for salvation yeah. and a requirement for fellowship. And that was really the issue. The Jews, they just didn't want to have anything to do with these Gentiles. Yeah. Even though these Gentiles were accepting Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Yeah. And the Gentiles were going, oh, that's great, great. Now, you do need the sign of the covenant. You need to be circumcised. Paul mm -hmm. was going, no, 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 no. If you want to, if you want to circumcise your, your boys, that's fine. No problem. You can't make that a requirement for salvation for these Gentiles coming in. The false teachers, though, Sean, they saw it the opposite. Mm -hmm. They were saying, no, it's Jesus plus circumcision equals salvation. Remind me a little bit about, um, I know that it was like uh, Acts 15, because I was just reading it earlier. Acts 15 is when Peter, is, is that when, when Peter got a little bit flack from visiting Cornelius? Uh, did, did this happen about the same time, or did this... Did Galatians happen much later? Well, there's a, a debate about when Galatians was written. My personal opinion, the weight of evidence shows that Galatians was written probably about 48 okay. A.D. Uh -huh. What you're describing, uh, well, you're, you're actually describing Acts 10 and 11. Oh, okay. Acts 10 is Cornelius, okay. the story of Cornelius. And then Acts 11 is where Peter gets called on the carpet. Yes, yes, okay. You know, uh -huh. to defend himself. And then Acts 15 is, that's the Jerusalem Council. Yeah. So we know, my, my personal opinion, uh -huh. the evidence shows that Galatians was written 48, around 48, uh -huh. and the Jerusalem Council was AD 50, a couple of years later. And that, what brought about the Jerusalem Council is these Judaizers were going around creating all this problem, yeah. and then... Peter, remember the story, Peter comes up to Antioch and, you know, they they pull away from the Gentiles and, and Paul describes it in, in uh, chapter 2 where they had to, Paul had to rebuke Peter. Yes. You know, so that all, and that's what brought about the need for the Jerusalem council. Paul said, listen, we're going to, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting and we're going to, we're going to decide <laughs> once and for all. Do Gentiles have to be circumcised? Paul said, I, I, I got to know the answer to this. And that's what brought about the Jerusalem Council. Okay, okay. So that established it right there. Absolutely. It, it's amazing, I mean, how, how, uh, how really dangerous and how things could have changed so much for the worse. And Oh, it would have split the church right down yeah. the middle. There would have been a Jewish denomination and a Gentile denomination. So as it stands, it's, it's almost like, why is this an issue now, you know? Yeah. And, and yet, it still keeps popping up. You know, in, in typical Jewish fashion, <laughs> you know, well, I guess, you know, it, it's any good teacher. But Paul uses a couple of metaphors. Um, 
one of the athlete and one of the kitchen, and you pointed this out in the message, to speak of the danger of this works-based salvation. So in regard to someone cutting in, are there some markers of people, uh, maybe modern examples, this is what I'm trying to get out, who are, who, are, who are trying to get me to believe what they believe? In other words, how can I, how can I spot these folks? And you know, what should I say to them? Yeah, to me, the, the, the key to the, the, the general way of spotting them, you watch out for anyone who says Jesus plus. Mm. Anyone who says, yeah, yeah, you have to have faith in Jesus plus, you know, you need our style of music or Ooh. our style of worship. It's Jesus plus the way we take communion, how often we take communion, how we take communion. Uh, it's Jesus plus the certain gifts of the Spirit. You know, mm. really, Sean, if you don't speak in tongues, you really probably aren't saved. Mm. Uh, I've heard that one. I have too. Oh, how about, uh, it's Jesus plus your view of the second coming. You know, mm. if you're not a dispensational pre-mill, <laughs> we can't have anything to do with you. And sad but true, Sean, and, I, and it's going to get worse between now and November. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's Jesus plus your political view. Yeah. So if you don't agree with me and vote for my candidates... I can't really have anything to do with you. Yeah. And the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. But generally, watch out for anyone who says Jesus plus anything else equals salvation. Wow. You know, the, the interesting thing about um, about you, Rick, I mean, I've known you for almost 20, oh, no, 20, over, 20 over 20 years. years. Over 20 years. I still don't know how you vote. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, because you never talk about it, not, not even casually. It's, I know that these things are important to you, but th it's, it's important. And I realize churches are going to do whatever they're going to do. But you have chosen to say, look, we're, we're not going to politicize anything yeah, in and, church. And the reason is I'm afraid the spotlight will move on to a political race or a political candidate I want the spotlight to always stay on Jesus. Yeah. Always. So people are always hitting me up. Hey, can we put a, a, a political sign up in your yard? And I say, no, I don't publicly endorse any candidate. Yeah. Uh, now, when we, our church does a campaign and we're talking about <laughs> Jesus, I put a yard sign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you better believe I put a yard sign. That's the reason. I, you know, I want people to vote. I vote. I want people to vote. Right. But I'm not going to tell them who they need to vote for. Yeah, yeah. I've always appreciated that about you. Okay, so the second time Paul writes about is uh, is about yeast. So the other time, um, or I should say this is the second time that Paul talks about yeast. The first time was in 1 Corinthians, right. where it was compared to the lax acceptance of sexual sin in uh, the Corinthian church. Is it surprising to you that, um, that it was such, that it has such a dynamic application? No, and it, it's such a great illustration. I think Paul uses great wisdom in, in, in his communication using yeast because the, the illustration of yeast, it's, it shows the power of a little to influence the whole. Yeah. And Sean, I've got to tell you, I have seen where one false teacher, you know, comes blowing through town and holds meetings and he's very attractive and very persuasive, has the gift of communication, and one person can do great damage. Mm. I've seen it. I've seen it in a church. I've seen it in a community where one false teacher can come, and it's this Jesus plus his pet thing, right? and it will just rip churches right down the middle. Yeah. One, and it, you, you trace it back, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just a one person yeah. can start spreading it 
and it's just like yeast. It infects the whole. Wow. Now, Paul is so agitated by the severity of the situation, this situation and the danger that these Judaizers present that he, he kind of takes a sarcastic, well, to me, he takes a sarcastic attitude when he says, you know, as for those agitators, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You know, uh, a hyperbole for sure, but, but maybe not. How, how similar is this to maybe the Lord when, when he says, look, if, if your hand or foot or eye causes you to sin, I want you to cut it off. For it's better for you to enter heaven amputated than to go to hell whole. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, very seldom do I need to put an R rated <laughs> uh, R rating on my sermon, or at least a PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting there reading this Sunday, Sunday, and I'm going, "Oh my!" There's children in the audience. <laughs> oh, you know, I, you know, maybe Paul is being literal. I don't think so. I, my personal opinion. I think he's speaking kind of metaphorically here, yeah. Because these false teachers, you know, are promoting legalism and circumcision, and I think perhaps Paul is is pushing for a spiritual castration. Yeah. You know, let me use the term. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And it, the idea of, you know, I, I wish they were castrated spiritually so that they could not produce any more legalist. Yeah. To prevent any more legalist from being born. Yeah. You know, they I, perhaps Paul is saying that, but. One thing for certain, uh, you can see Paul is one ticked off teacher. He is. He is very serious because, again, he knows where this road leads. It leads leads to slavery, and he wants to lead people to spiritual freedom. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other Bible writers or other other apostles who wrote in the New Testament, and I, I can't think of anybody else who writes like that. No, no, and you know, you, you quoted Jesus, that's the closest thing, yeah. where Jesus said, you know, you cut your hand or your foot or gouge out your eye, Yeah. If it again, metaphorically, right, yeah. metaphorically, because if you did it literally, it still wouldn't, if you've got a lust problem, you don't need eyes, <laughs> That's you right. just have to have a brain. That's right, you should, you'd have a lot of blind Christians, right, mm-hmm. walking around. Wow, well, what a great message, and, and I, I think that it... I love actually that 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 was brought back up um, because I, when I think about this is the the gospel the gospel changes me on the inside so that I I I, I can metaphorically or at least take care of or Jesus is taking care of that for me He's removed and changed my eyesight He's removed changed what I want to do with my hands and my feet and uh, so what a great message so okay well Rick we've come to the point of our podcast, that important part where we talk about Rick's Quote of the Week. Okay, so you got a good quote for us? Well, we ended the podcast talking about Paul's courage, his boldness, his yes. frankness, and, yes. and you know that's what it takes. Leaders sometimes have to lead. They have to step up and say what needs to be said. So uh, my quote comes from uh, Coach Nick Saban. Sports fans oh. out there will know the name Coach Nick Saban. This quote is credited to Coach Nick Saban. I'm not sure, but anyway, it's credited to him. And he says this, If you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader. Sell ice cream. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah. So if you yeah. want to be an apostle, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you're not going to make everybody That's happy. That's right. That's right. So don't be a, an apostle. Sell ice cream. That's right. But you sure do make it clear. All right, well, what else is going on here, Grace? Hey, this coming Sunday, well, we're getting close to the end of our series, but we're in our Freedom Series 
a very important shift. We're going to look at ditch number two. Ditch uh-huh. number one was legalism. Okay. Ditch number two is libertinism. Okay. And that's where Paul will talk about slavery, not to the law, but to the sinful nature. And so I would say if you, anybody out there, if you have a sinful nature, you might want to <laughs> listen in to the sermon. It might be applicable to real close to 100% yeah. of our audience. Okay. okay. Hey, also this Friday night, uh, August 12th, 6 o'clock in our main auditorium, we're going to be having our GFX family event. It's called Woo! Inflatable Stories with Dr. Dan Bellamy. And, you know, just Google, Google inflatable stories if you want to see. But this guy does just tell stories with balloons and with, it, with inflatables. Whoa. Very creative. It's a free event. People can come. Now, one thing we are doing, we're, we're uh, collecting non-perishable food items for Harvest Ministry. And it's a free event. But if you think about it and you want to contribute, just bring a bag of, of non-perishables yeah. and we'll be collecting on that front. Six o'clock this Friday night. All right. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.